If you could create the lifestyle that you've always dreamed about, if you could forge a future that you've always wanted, but you didn't know how to get there, would you do it? In this episode of Unbeatable, you get a chance to hear not only a guy who did that for himself, but he's helping many other people do it right now. I'm excited to bring you this episode with Jamin Heppel, a guy who helped found mountains and marathons, creating leaders and giving them experiences that they'll talk about for the rest of their life on this episode of Unbeatable. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable. Hey, Jamin, thanks for taking a break in your whirlwind tour and joining me from Mexico for this episode of Unbeatable. So good. Really excited to be here, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I have heard a lot about you. In fact, as I read about you, I was like, man, I wish I had this guy's lifestyle because what he's doing right now, I could totally see myself doing. Yeah, look, from what I know of you too, Jeff, I reckon this would be right up your alley, but I live a very blessed, very privileged life, but um, yeah. certainly not by accident. It's, um, it's lifestyle by design. Well, we're going to spend some time talking about my two of my favorite subjects in the world. Like you've got two of my three favorite subjects in the world, mountains and leadership. And you get a chance to do that every day, all day long. Literally, like I could do that for the rest of my life and be a very happy guy. So good, man. Well, I'm excited to dive in. Yeah. Tell me uh, how things got started for you. So let's go back to your childhood. Would you describe a little bit of growing up, where you you grew up? Talk a little bit about mom and dad and and what life was like for you growing up. Yeah, sure. So um, if you haven't picked up already, I'm from Australia. So I grew up. Yeah. In well, down in the southern part of the United States, we would say yeah. you ain't from around here, Jamin. That's accurate. So I, I ain't I ain't from around here based on uh -huh. that geographic context. So um, no, I grew up in country Victoria, um, so the most southeastern state um, right. of, uh, of mainland Australia, and I grew up in a um, in a little country town of about seven thousand people. Um, Mum and dad were, so grew up in a relatively nuclear family, sort of middle class family. Mum and dad, they were both local athletes. And so as I grew up, sport and, um, and physical health and well-being was a big part of our world. And so and particularly through my dad, that was very much instilled as a, as a core part of my life. And I'm the eldest of three boys. Uh, and so we grew up in a tremendously, ridiculously... <laughs> competitive household yeah and, i can only imagine you yeah. guys competed at everything even the food at the dinner table right bingo that was exactly how it worked in fact there's a thing we all learned to eat really quick because mum would only make sec enough seconds for <laughs> one person and so yeah. we learned that if you ate fastest you were the one who got seconds so nice that was the kind of energy that we grew up in and um you know for me as the as the eldest of three boys you know um i guess a traditionally masculine quite masculine father um, you know, mm -hmm. as a kid growing up, unconsciously, all I ever wanted to do was um, seek my dad's approval and have my dad's validation. So a lot of the, obviously there's shadows to that, but then the goal yeah. from that was I, sure. became a, I became a high performer. And so uh, naturally I, I gravitated towards leadership, um, whether that was in school or whether that was in sporting clubs and um, was always driven to be the best um in some cases potentially to an unhealthy level like it was like oh, yeah i was gonna say that can be great but that can also be terrible man there can be the sh it's the shadow side of it and so yeah. you know in a way like as a result of you know being um someone who aspired to high performance and doing my best at everything that i did naturally that was obviously then socially validated by uh, my parents, friends, by my teachers, by my coaches. So there was all of the social encouragement to continue down that path. However, the um, and, I, and I'll probably get to this later in my story. The 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 shadow side or the dark side of that is um, that we can overwork or we can move. Yeah. Or, oh yeah. I, I can overwork and I can um, overcommit myself and sacrifice my own needs um, in service to others or in service to validation. So. Yeah. Nonetheless, my parents were incredibly um, beautiful influences on my childhood. I had a very secure upbringing. Um, both of, uh, as a kid growing up, all I ever wanted to do was be a, a professional athlete, particularly Australian uh, in the Australian Football League, so Aussie Rules Football, which is uh -huh. a little different to NFL, a little different to rugby. Yeah. It's kind of a merger of basketball, NFL, and rugby all together, really. Um, and uh, that was a sport I really wanted to play. And unfortunately, at the age of 10, I had my first uh, knee arthroscope. I tore cartilage in my knee. At the age of um at 10 years old at 10 years old yeah wow yeah. 
Yeah. So I, was kind of, I wasn't set off to the best, best um, athletic path uh, quite early on. But then at 16, I tore cartilage again in my right knee. Then six weeks later, I tore cartilage in my left knee. Then oh, man. Was, yeah, might as well do them both if you're going to go go all out, right? We're going all out, exactly. Man. So what happened was um, I yeah, actually had a condition in my knees called osteochondritis dissecans, which effectively was just a weakness in the cartilage that happens to um, – it's a rare condition that happens to active teenage boys. So I spent a lot of my teenage years on crutches um, navigating injury. And- oh, that would be devastating for a kid who's very athletic and for a when you grew up – you know, basically being outdoors all day long. That would be devastating. Bingo, country kid, like that's all we did. We were just outdoors. So in that, it was both um, obviously a challenge, but then also there was resilience that came with that. And, you know, around the age of 16, that was when I started to recognize that the pursuit of a, of a professional sporting career was probably not going to be my Yeah, when you've racking up those kind of surgeries before you're 16, it's going to be hard to pursue professional sports that way. That's right. But nonetheless, like... The desire to be an athlete has always remained, and I'll speak a little bit more about that later. But, um, you know, so I, I cultivated both, um, you know, I took those blows, but in, in turn also cultivated resilience and perspective around how else I might want to be um, contributing to, to the world and, and what I really mm-hmm. want to do. And so as I continued to get older, um, there was always just, there was two themes that were always running concurrently in my life as I re- retrospectively look back, and that was leadership and sport. And so, you know, it was around the age of 16 when um, I started to really uh, double down on my, on my leadership development, my public speaking skills, my debating skills, my um, critical inquiry skills. And it was around that time when I was at the local football club and I had just been invited to play for the senior football team. And so All right. I was um, I was starting Pretty big to, deal like, right there. Yeah, yeah. A big deal for a 16 year old, you know, starting to play sure. against play with and against and train with the men and um you know i remember i just started dating a a a beautiful woman named um liana and she was also 16 years old and she was quite aesthetically gorgeous and that was well known around the community Mm -hmm. and um so i turned up to football training and you know a few of the older guys were like pretty keen to talk to me about that and in a way their language was quite um it was quite derogatory you know it was quite it was quite um you know as they describe the language like toxic masculine i won't use the exact verbiage they use but it was quite confronting for me as a as a 16 year old to like be like to 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 receive that and Mm -hmm. then also what i noticed beyond that culture was also a um a subtle drug taking culture of um, you know, illicit drugs within the within the the, the football yeah. club culture, and something about me just it just didn't vibe. It was just like, why you know, sport brings such magic to grassroots communities. Yeah, but sure. what's what, what's perpetuating here just doesn't uh, land for me. It's not it's not aligned with my values. And I guess at the time I wouldn't have had language for it like that. But something was just feeling a bit off, and I knew yeah, that I wanted. Right. I knew I wanted to do something about it. So. Um, yeah, it was then a couple of years later when I was school captain of my local um, school, I got invited to be a part of a, a six-day leadership development program run by YMCA Victoria. I believe the YMCA have quite a big influence in the US. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and I was invited onto this six-day transformational leadership retreat where it brought together 60 young leaders from all across the state to be immersed in a, in a, in a week-long experience of personal development and looking at our vision for the world, looking at our strengths, weaknesses, optimism, pessimism, just all of these baseline um, concepts of personal growth and development. And I found myself more at home than I'd ever been before. And yeah. being in a, in a, in a conversation, it was, you know, for me, it was also the first time I'd been taken out of my little bubble of Langatha uh-huh. little town and brought into a space where I was introduced to cultural diversity and people coming from all different ethnic backgrounds, racial backgrounds, different um, religious backgrounds. And all of a sudden my world just got opened. And, um, in that week, a couple of things happened, but one of the key things was I recognized that what those facilitators had created for me and the depth of safety and permission that had been created in that week, I knew that I was going to do that for other people and I was going to do that professionally and for the rest of my life. So at the time, 17 years old, I look back at it and one of the things that I, I see as quite instrumental in my journey um, was getting connected to a really deep sense of purpose quite young. Um, yeah. And obviously, there's, there's much more that I could share, but that sort of brings me to uh, young adulthood, I guess. Yeah. Where um, where did this leadership start for you? I mean, by the time that you're playing sports, actually being the oldest of four boys, you know, it probably started pretty young for you. But mom and dad played sports. What sports did they do? Mm-hmm. 
So they played. So dad was a lo- he was a local athlete, and his specialty was Aussie rules. So Australian football. All right. For American listeners, I highly recommend go to YouTube, type in Aussie Rules Explained and watch the five-minute YouTube video that comes up the top. This sport will blow your mind if you've never oh, Okay. Heard. And mom, what was what sport did she take did she participate in? And so she played netball, which is um, a sport that stems again, it's not that popular in the US, but it stems from the UK. Um, uh-huh. in the early nineteen hundreds, netball was created as the women's equivalent of basketball. Um, because women were right. allowed to play basketball back in the early yeah. 1900s, so they created a women's version of basketball. Um, again, a brilliant sport uh, that's predominantly still played by women in Australia, and um, it's a global sport, but it hasn't quite picked up in the US yet. Yeah. So did mom and dad start to notice? How did this leadership start to develop in you? Does, was that mom and dad doing that, or where did that come from? Yeah, it's a great question. And mom and dad, they debate around this because they, like, they don't know, but what I will say is that if I look at Omar and Opa, so my mum's parents are Dutch, mm-hmm. they were both huge into community development and big, um, played a significant role in their volunteer contributions to the local church and were constantly involved in the community. Then my dad, I mean, he was the, um, a, a, a playing coach of the football when he was younger and then he moved into coaching junior football so when I was a kid growing up my dad was always kind of like the guy leading me and all of my mates and so and then my mum would be team manager so it wasn't necessarily like they were politicians or like they were you know leading um that they were directors on non-profit boards or anything like that but I suppose the way in which I saw my grandparents be in the community the way I experienced my parents just show up in service to um, to grassroots sport, I suppose there were certainly these layers of leadership that um, yeah. were being exuded. And at the same time, I think there was also the messaging of, of like whatever my ideals were around masculinity, um, uh-huh. the idea of being out the front and being confident and being able to, um, you know, curate, curate like a group all of that was probably subconsciously being programmed in my mind of like yeah. what it meant for me to be a healthy young man, um, even when I was like, you know, six or seven years old, watching football and reading yeah. magazines and stuff. Well, I'm trying to get at the question, was somebody pushing you? Did mom and dad push you out to the forefront? And I use out on purpose because leading means that you're out in front. Did they kind of push that or did you notice that inside of you? Did others around you notice that and start to pull you in that arena? And Jamin, here's why I'm asking you this question. You may not know this, but I teach leadership. I love leadership, man. This is the topic I could spend the next seven hours talking about. And when I'm teaching this subject, I'm teaching the introduction level courses on this. I love to have a conversation with my students about leaders and ask, are leaders born that way? Or are they built that way? Meaning, was it your family? Was it your environment? Did you get the leadership gene when you were born? Was it the house that you were raised in? Or was it both? And I can work people in knots on this question because as soon as somebody says it's definitely one, I'll give them the, you know, the opposite side. And they're like, wait, maybe it's the other. And then pretty soon they're all sitting there scratching their heads. So were you born that way? Were you built that way? Or is it both? I I follow. I follow. Um, Leadership is certainly something intuitive to me. Um, Whether, you know, I have always gravitated towards leadership roles and have always felt most comfortable when I've been in that in the role and be that a leader at the front or behind, I've always yeah. had that inner that inner knowingness of like um, born to lead in a way. And it's interesting because I would never have actually ever phrased it that way. But the amount of feedback that I've received from people across the course of the last couple of decades is like a lot of like you are a natural leader. So yeah. there is the genetic. There is a there is like a a, a, a nature component. For me, mm-hmm. however, um, then I've wor- I, I've said yes and worked, worked tirelessly out, right? inside the commitment to like being the best expression of myself in the world, yeah. and that just happens to be aligned with my passion, which is sure. leadership and transformation. Yeah. So when I have this conversation with class with students in the classroom, you're saying right now exactly what I try to say to them. There are some people that are natural born leaders. And I use the language you just used. If you go to a locker room, any school locker room, somebody in that locker room is a leader. I tell my students, 
almost everybody in the locker room knows who the leader is and they may not have the title leader, meaning captain of the team, but everybody behind closed doors knows who the leader is. And it's usually a bit of both, right? There's something natural inside of you that makes you a leader, but then there's also you work at it, you, your environment created it. And I I can't help but think if you're invited to spend six weeks studying leadership, I mean, if you're invited to spend six days studying leadership with some of the greatest leaders in your state um, at your age, well, obviously people around you are taking notice. This kid can lead. Totally. And and that's beautifully beautifully said. And there are two things to that, because I think one is off the back of that six day experience, the, the, the coordinator of the program circled back a week later and said, hey, we'd like to invite you to be a facilitator on next year's program. So there was obviously inside of that. Wow, you're, you're, they're bringing you back next year. You're, you're standing out that much. Yeah, so there was an impression that was left. And so, and it's important that I speak into that because I've, if I look at the trajectory of what had me continue to step into um, new skills, realms, levels of leadership and confidence, it really was like those who are ahead of me <laughs> seeing the potential. Yeah. Seeing something in you. But also seeing the drive. Because again, Mm -hmm. I'm sure everyone can relate to this of like seeing the kid with the potential and then giving the kid all the opportunity. But at the end of the day, if the kid doesn't grab it. Yeah, they don't want it. They don't want it. And it's just like, and I could could count, you know, I could like five specific individuals I could think from my teenage years where I look at and go, oh man, like had you applied yourself, like who knows what would have been possible for you. But this is part of it. It's about being in touch with our genius, in touch with our yeah. gifts, and then consciously cultivating the skills that complement that specific, um, you know, that specific genius and saying yes to the opportunities that present themselves. And so this is an example of that for me where, you know, people continue to see, be in touch with my potential. And yeah. then also I had the drive that was willing to say yes and take advantage to continue to, you know, step down the rungs. Well, there's one more question I'm dying to know before we go on. My sure. wife has talked for a long time about taking a trip to Australia. She has wanted to go for many years. Mm-hmm. I would love to go. Neither one of us have ever been to your continent. Mm-hmm. So you got to tell us what life was like as a boy out there in the small town in rural Australia, because from what I've seen, it looks like it could be amazing. Well, mate, I mean, as long as you don't confront an animal that could kill you, which is very, which is very <laughs> important safety note, don't get in a fight with an animal that can kill okay. you. That's right. That's right. And so kangaroos, we do ride them to school and those drop bears, mm-hmm. you've got to make sure that they don't like fall on you when you're camping. Now, and also, you know, people, people say, so like, you know, does, does everything kill you in Australia? And I'm like, well, mate, why do you reckon I got out? Why do you reckon I've been traveling for? Yeah, years? that's right. I'm like, I've lost a bunch of mates, so I'm just like, I just can't be around. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh man, people in the US they have such funny interpretations no. in Australia. So no, but in all seriousness, Australia it's a beautiful country, beautiful yeah. country, and it's so, you know, like there are many, there are gorgeous places all around the world, but mm-hmm. Australia, particularly, um, I mean, particularly its beaches and its national parks are just. Yeah. Second to none. If you look at it, Australia um, geographically, it's the same size as the US. Yeah. But it ha- the US, I think, has 360 million people, and Australia mm-hmm. has 26 million people. So, just like the so, you state, got a little bit of room to spread out and, and, and have room, some fun man, when you go to the beach. Fun and you know, like you know, you just and, and there's not always someone looking over your shoulder. So it's um yeah, it's a, Australia. It's a, it's a really it's a really special place. Um, and a, and a well, place there you go. Life. I'm going to have to let my wife know there's plenty of room on the beaches in Australia instead of heading right. down to Florida. Maybe we <laughs> ought to just board a flight and head over there to uh, get on the beach and spend some, I want to honestly, man, I want to get out in the outback and just spend some time out there. I do love nature, but I also love being around the rugged parts of nature. So jungles yep. and deserts, and I've seen the pictures for years, for decades, and would love to get out there and spend some time out there. Mate, do it. Highly recommend. So let's go back now because you're at this camp and it's something inside of you clicked and you used this language a moment ago. You said, I think I found my purpose. Mm -hmm. Most guys at your age would not use that kind of language. In fact, guys that are 25, 35, 45 years old are still trying to figure out their purpose. So how did this click for you? Mm -hmm. What made you realize this is it? There was very specifically, there was a moment when a facilitator, a guy named Robbo, he must have been about 28 years old, um, he was leading a, a resilient session that involved me standing at a, 
uh, there was a bit of tape on the ground and then there was Shakespearean poetry up on the um, projector. All right. And, and so, I, and then, and then um, a meter behind the tape was another bit of tape. And what you would do is you would step from the back line to the front line by yourself, and then you would need to bellow Shakespearean poetry as loud as you could. And if you made any mistake or fumbled at all, you would have to go back and 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 step to the back line, and then wait your turn to have another go. And I was there for about two hours. And I remember there was a moment when I was stood up to the line, I belted, I bellowed out Shakespeare. I had tears coming down my face because I was so like just um, confronted. You were in it, right? You were in the moment? In it. And I, and, and I slipped on the last sentence and, and Robbo, he came up and he got like down my face. I was 17 years Uh old and he goes, Jamin back to the line and it was in this moment when I just like took the breath and I'm like actually like winning actually doesn't matter but it's about how I show up and I got something inside of that moment that it's like whoa yeah like I continued I'll always compete I'll always look to do my best but at the end of the day what's most important is how I show up and so I went back to the line and then five minutes later had another go and smashed it out but something in me, off the back of that experience, something shifted that was just like, whoa, like what that guy just facilitated yeah. for me. Because right. most, pe- most people are going to be like, oh, you've done your best, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, c- come on through. And it's like, but he, held, he, he, he like held me at that breaking point where it was like, I could have said F this and then been like, I'm out. Uh-huh. And he held and he trusted that there was something inside of me that could go deeper. And there was something like in that moment, I was like, whoa, what he just like held me in and created for me. I'm like, that's a, I'm like, there is a whole world of skill. There's a whole world of discernment. There's a whole world of um, emotional astuteness and, and, and in tunement and telepathy that comes with like what he just created. And I was like, that's, I'm like, whatever that world is, <laughs> I yeah. want, I want more of that. And I want to be leading. I want to, I want to be leading people to be able to have these kinds of breakthroughs, um, you know, facilitated through whatever sure. modality but i was like something about that just ignited me and i was like whoa like who do i get to become and who do other right. people get to become when we step into these kinds of uh transformational containers and are yeah. held by are held by highly skilled and professional people to take life and leadership to the next level what was his name again robo um R- robo Robert, golly, I couldn't even, I wouldn't even. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm listening to this story and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, first of all, bellowing out Shakespearean poetry at the top of my lungs would be a disaster for me. But a guy who sees something in you and calls something out of you, a guy who basically holds you and pushes you to your best, that dude, his name ought to stick with you. Mm-hmm. Man, you just said something that was so powerful. I think I need you to say it again, but I also think I need you to explain it because people are right now driving and listening to this and it just went right over their head. Sure. You just said, as a ultra competitive guy born into an incredibly competitive family, don't eat fast enough, don't get seconds. You just said winning doesn't matter. And everybody who was listening should have done a double take. But it's what you said after that that really got my attention. So I need you to explain this sentence again. Winning doesn't matter, but what's really important, Jamin? Is how we show up. Yeah. Explain this for for just a second. Because in the United States, as in Australia, we are obsessed with coming out on first place. And it even doesn't matter how you do it. We just... We want the the prize. We want the trophy. We want to stand on the platform at the end. How you show up is not as important in many circles as winning or losing. Mm-hmm. So you got to explain this one to the listener right now. For sure. Yeah, great. Uh, I'm very passionate about this because for Obviously. me, it's not that winning isn't it's not that winning isn't important. Or of course, the distinction is it's about being committed but non-attached. And so, from my stint, like the way in which we engage in facilitating transformation, the mindset through which we come at this is it's really it's about being committed to the outcome committed to the win but being inside the question how who do i need to be and how do i need to show up in order to create the result that i want now if all we're ever focused on is 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 the win well then that can i mean we can we can create winning results in many different ways and sometimes unethically sometimes we can take corners cut corners cheat shortcut 
in order to get the win. But ultimately, ultimately, when we do, when we, when we don't operate inside our own personal integrity, in other words, when we're not showing up congruent with our deepest alignment, the result is actually just like, it's superfluous, it's ego. Whereas if we're cultivating the way in which we go about winning, that's where the greatest success in life comes from. Because after we finish the Ironman or stand on top of the podium with the gold medal around our neck, we see this all the time. You know, people get the win and then they feel empty afterwards. It's because they haven't necessarily been cultivating character in the pursuit of like whatever victory looks like. And so from our standpoint, it really is about be clear on the target, get after it, but show up inside deepest integrity, be in touch with who you're committed to being as a human being and as a leader. Come from that place. Do that consistently over time. Sometimes we're going to win, sometimes we're not, but it's who we're being and what we embody and represent that's ultimately the greatest reflection of our success versus... Man, there is a lot of power in what you're saying right now because I know plenty of people, you do too, who have radically pursued the top and they've done it at all costs. And as a result, they make it to the top, but then they find that it's shallow and it doesn't satisfy them up there. And maybe it's because some of those compromises that they made along the way. But you're saying, man, it's how you... Getting to the top is important. Don't ever say that it's not, but it's how you get to the top that really leaves you satisfied. It really leaves you looking in the mirror, proud of what's staring back at you instead of ashamed of yourself years later. 100%. 100%. I mean, exa- exactly, Jeff, because it's also reflected in, you know, it's the nature of even some of the people we work with inside the Align Leadership Program inside Mountains and Marathons. They are typically people who have experienced a tremendous amount of success in a commercial sense, in a, in a, in a professional sense. But, you know, other layers of their life don't necessarily feel fully aligned. An example of might be that it's like, oof, I've, you know, yeah, I've reached the top of my corporate career, but um, I'm disconnected from my kids. My kids aren't talking to me. Or, you know, my my wife yeah. is my wife is, is like we're on the ropes with our marriage. Our marriage is on yeah. the ropes, and it's just like, you know, it's really the question of what does it like? What does success? What is the actual the truth of definition of success for people? And I think when people get beneath the um, the, the, the story that is sold of like success, yeah. like climbing the ladder and getting to a particular top or having a particular house and the white picket fence. I think there is, there is, there are definitions of success that are deeper than that for people. And when we can actually get in touch with what ultimate success looks like and then orient our lives and our mindsets, our ways of being, our skill sets, life systems and structures to be congruent with the deeper definition of success, so much more fulfillment, happiness, and so much less drama is possible for people um, when, yeah, when they choose to live congruent with, um, with a new definition. I did not expect this interview to go this way, man, but I want to camp on this thing for just a second because what you're saying is really, really important. If you got the kids pulling for your attention right now and you're listening to this podcast, I need you to pause it and wait for you get wait for a moment that you can focus. Or if you're driving in heavy traffic right now, maybe you just need to hang on and listen to what you're hearing from Jamin because he is killing it right now. <laughs> when we start talking about success, the bottom line is Everybody is going to have to sacrifice to make it to the next level. You don't make it to the top without making some sacrifices. But I just heard you say, you didn't use these words, Jamin, but I heard you say, be careful the sacrifices that you're making. Don't sacrifice what's really important. Don't sacrifice who you are or the people that you love to get to the top because that will leave you leave you um, with less than success. That will not fill you up. And success is not just reaching the top. Success is being satisfied at the top. Just making it to the top is not success. And that's the myth that media is throwing our way, right? Like when you're at the top, you're the big man, big woman. Everybody has to look up to you. Now you're a success. Well, not if you just sacrificed everything that's important in the world to get there. That isn't successful. In fact, what that leaves you feeling like is a miserable failure while you're at the top. So, man, I need you to camp on this one for just a little bit longer with the listeners because I want them to really understand what success feels like and how shallow it can be at the top. Sure, man. Yeah, we can go there. I mean, even if we look at it, just even the nature of like, you look at today's 
contemporary like young people growing up like man so many kids just want to be youtube sensations they want to be like, internet influencers instant influencers sure famous and it's like it's founded upon such surface superficial values now i don't blame the kids for this like culturally that's what's being perpetuated yeah but it demands like like life like fulfilling satiating rich juicy life demands a deeper inquiry into values beneath these surface superficial values. And so, you know, for those for those people who are like hell bent on the the corporate progression and the and the, and the career like the career climb, it really is a worthy inquiry of going, well, A, what sacrifices am I making? Like what is what is yeah. getting like the second What Jamin is telling you is you need to ask yourself this question along the way. And that's really good advice, man. Sorry to interrupt you. Keep going. Not at all. So that's um so that's a key part of it. And the other question is is like, where does this come from? Like, why? Why do is, I need that so bad? Why right? is reaching the top so important to me? And typically, if we do a healthy level of vulnerable excavation, it's going to stem from some kind of unfulfilled childhood needs, where love was only given when we were the when winner. you performed at the top when yep dad only gave me the pat on the back and said i love you when uh you know when you won the 800 meter race when you were seven years old like like it's so it's really looking at going well okay then is my way of being in life an authentic expression of who i actually am or right. is it just a default reaction to a whole bunch of childhood programming of where i didn't get my needs met as a kid and this specific it's a very simple example that i'm giving but that principle plays out in so many different oh, ways man. Like, be yeah. that career career trajectory be yeah. that who we seek as our part as our lifelong partner like the mother you know the mother yeah. of our children or whatever it be you know our relationship with with money with abundance for having no money like so much of it stems from the baseline unconscious programming that shows up from our primary caregivers from when we're a kid which, Man, carry on. <laughs> totally agree. I was, look, 0% of our listeners are teenage girls. But as you're talking, I'm thinking there's this 17-year-old teenage girl out there. She desperately wants to be a social media influencer. And everything that she's saying is you got to take your clothes off and you got to take more clothes off and you got to keep taking clothes off. And so eventually she's going to compromise what's really, really important to try to get to that level of social media influencer by taking her clothes off because that's what the entire industry is challenging her to do. Yep. And what you're hearing today from Jamin is it's not worth it. Even if you were to make it to the top, you're going to end up there and realize none of it was worth it, which is miserable to compromise who you are and what you really stand for and then get up to the top and realize it wasn't worth it in the first place. Like that's a bad place to be. For sure. And look, and this is the, and I think it's really important though, not to dismantle the, 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 the value of getting to the top, but the yeah, question absolutely. is, how do how you get, get there? to the top? Because again, like, you know, I've had clients, coaching clients in the past who have been social media influencers. And the reason why I'm working with them is because they feel empty and they're at a stage where they want to transition from being like the travel vlogger to actually like coaching people to create uh -huh. more meaningful lives because they've realized that there's a lack of fulfillment in what they're currently doing, even though it would appear as though they've reached the top. And so what I do then is, you know, I meet them in this place of unfulfillment where they're connected to a more meaningful uh, career and existence. And then they, then, then they grapple with this like transition of yeah. like, you know, they start to shift how they be and how they show up in social media and then they start losing followers. And so then there's this whole part yeah, of their ego right. that needs to be yeah. navigating like, right. whoa, okay, the cr crowd doesn't seem to be liking this, but yeah. who, I, who, who I was when I got the crowd isn't who I actually not who am. I am now, yeah. And so then there's this mammoth egoic um, uh, uh, conflict, conflict that takes place. And so it create you know, because how they got to the top, whatever that means, um, isn't an authentic expression of who they really are or perhaps has been a transformation of who they are to who they are now that all of that doesn't necessarily it doesn't it doesn't lead to a place of deep fulfillment and satisfaction when we get to the top so yeah from go my go on go for it man keep going so from my standpoint it's like pursue the top 
yeah, be like, be clear on the bigger picture vision yeah. and go and go get, for it. Go for it, but just be really in tune with like what are my core values, what is most important, and how do I lead an aligned, holistic life that is yeah. structured in such a way that enables me to get after it whilst also being responsible and accountable to all of these other layers of life that are important at the same time as the pursuit of excellence. And for the listener right now, you can hear that Jamin is speaking to everybody. He's not just talking to the corporate executive, the high power leader out there. He's talking to the stay at home mom. He's talking to the guy who's coaching a, a, a basketball team, you know, a little rec league sport. Like it's all of us. You have to decide what am I not willing to sacrifice? What are my values and what am I, what do I hold most important that I'm not willing to sacrifice? And if it requires sacrificing that, then I'm just not going to get to the top. But if I can find a way to the top without sacrificing that, I'm going for it because getting to the top is really, it feels really good when you do it and you do it the right way. Hey, we've got a, a sponsor, Jamin. I want to introduce you to him. But for the whole listening audience, um, this is the last episode that the guys from Go Ministries is, is sponsoring. And I just wanted to say thank you to Will Pardon and the team. This is my first real sponsor um, here's a little inside information about this podcast. It loses money episode, every episode. I'm paying for this thing out of my pocket. And when Go Ministries came along, these guys said, hey, Jeff, we'll help you a little bit. Even when, with Go Ministries, I'm still losing money on every episode. But I love these conversations and I love bringing people like Jamin on, on the air, on YouTube and on all of the podcast platforms. So, Jamin, I want you to hear this really short one minute and 30 second explanation about who Go Ministries is. And then when we come back, I want people to hear your success in business. And then you pivot and turn that success in business into creating successful leaders with mountains and marathons. But check out this spot from Go Ministries. Hi, my name is Will Parton. I'm the president of Go Ministries. Go Ministries empowers local leaders to make disciples. Over the past 30 years, I've seen our ministry go from one family, one church, and one school to over 300 local leaders making disciples in 150 different communities through church planting, sports, and medical. And we're getting ready to expand into other countries. The way that we define a disciple-making culture is when mentorship, mission, and multiplication are present. When there's that one-on-one -on -one mentorship between two people that are sharing the gospel, we believe that discipleship is taking place. And then when a group of people are gathering together and they're on mission together, serving their community, that surrounds them. That's another part of discipleship. And then lastly, you can't be a disciple or disciple maker if multiplication isn't the final goal. So would you please join us in our disciple making movement and our disciple making culture by going to gomen.org. Hey, Jamin, you are not just talking about this, like reading it in a book. It's not theory for you. You've done this, man. You bought and sold companies. You started companies. Describe a little bit about your um, success in the business world, starting companies, selling companies, before we get into being highly successful in an incredibly competitive arena um, and about mountains and marathons. But let's talk a little bit about your success in business before we get there. Mm, nice. Thanks, Jeff. Um, thanks for that beautiful uh, reintroduction. Yeah, so <clears throat> early days, early 20s, um, my primary work was centered around building nonprofit initiatives that was focused on leadership development for young people. So the catalyst from that uh, leadership development program I experienced when I was 17 years old, that was when I got the vision for creating my first organization called Game Changers, which was really looking at how sport could be an agent for social change in grassroots sporting communities in Australia. So, so the sport is the game in Game Changers is what correct. you're saying. That's right. Exactly. So that was the um, that was the essence of it. And so back then we used to run a program called Captain's Camp and we'd work with 16 to 18 year old young leaders from grassroots sport across six month transformational leadership programs, um, really an extension of what I'd experienced when I was 17 years old. So. I founded Game Changers when I was 22 years old. That continued to live on for uh, another eight years until COVID um, interfered with its uh, career trajectory, uh -huh. which as it did for many other um, small yep. profits. But um, one of the most profound spin-offs or um, creations that came from the beginnings of Game Changers was an organization called The Man Cave. 
So when I was 24, I partnered with one of my best friends, a guy named Hunter Johnson, and the two of us formed a nonprofit called The Man Cave, where we would go into schools and work with year seven to year 12 boys around challenging, deconstructing, redefining masculinity and being nice. important educational conversations around gender equality, emotional intelligence, suicide prevention. Um, wow. All of, all of these, all of the, the, the key conversations that schools were trying to have but not doing effectively. Yeah. And right. so through the... So through the man cave, um, yeah, we started to do really profound work and started to get recognised um, quite, um, I guess, influentially by by a number of leaders and philanthropic leaders within Australia. So we started to receive a significant amount of funding to continue to grow and scale mm-hmm. the work of the man cave. And um, I left the work of the man cave to actually start Mountains and Marathons five years ago. Uh, however, that is it, it still remains t- uh, almost 10 years later. It's one of the fastest growing nonprofits. It's worked with 40,000 boys around Australia um, and now has a facilitation team of 40 and they've scaled across um, multiple states throughout Australia. And they do. Wow. Trend- they are really leading the charge of promoting a movement of healthy masculinity yeah. within, um, within Australia. So this was an organization that I co-created with Hunter back in the day. To help fund the, um, the, the, the organization, we co-created a um, young men's hygiene company called Stuff, which sells... Um, stuff. Uh, yeah, it's right. called Stuff. So stuff, stuff for your face, stuff for your pits. Um, and, uh, and it's a, a yeah, deodorant, sunscreen, toothpaste, like just all, all, right. the, all the needs for... for all the stuff men. that somebody needs. Yeah. Correct. Good. St- yep, exactly. And so, um, and so the reason I share that is because I'm very passionate about... Um, business that does good and so the the creation of stuff as a for-profit company um 50 of the profits of stuff go back to funding boys to be able to participate in the man cave programs and so there's a whole um uh, closed loop around the positive yeah. messaging that comes nice. with, um, with facilitating transformation so that's a couple of the um i guess the, the baseline successes i mean i ran a fitness company called back to school fitness it did fairly well we tried to franchise that didn't work and so <laughs> gave that a crack whilst we we're concurrently building game changes and um you know i ran a uh a, a, a coaching practice when i was like 20 years old and again had a go failed but again the thing that's consistent about me is the the consistency of showing up having a go and yeah. I don't. I haven't been necessarily the biggest book nerd, but I'm certainly one that can take principle, apply it, and then have it move from knowledge into wisdom, which comes from experience. Sure. I'm glad you mentioned that not all of your startups were successful, and I think that's important because sometimes the most powerful lessons are those those failures where I just figured a few things out. I had to figure them out the hard way. I failed and it hurt really bad. But now that I've figured those things out, I can take those lessons and be much more successful going down the road. Hey man, I am an avid runner and I love the mountains. So when you put these two words together, I perked up right away. Like, wait a second, somebody's doing marathons and mountains. I've been a marathon runner for about 30 years. Um, and by the way, you've got me by one continent. So I have run marathons on five continents. My goal is to run all seven, meaning my goal is to run the Antarctica marathon one day. Um, but that one's a stretch, just getting there, getting on the course and, you know, running that thing in the snow. So tell me a little bit about your, the, the, um, your background that you decided I'm going to put two things together and turn them into and help turn out leaders. Um, tell me about the time that you spent on Kilimanjaro and, 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 uh, Everest and some of the peaks of the world and some of the marathons that you've run on six continents around the world. Nice. Cool. So I think to share this story, Jeff, I'll zoom back because there was the creation of game changers, the man cave, my fitness company, my speaking, my speaking career, etc. And all of this led to me being 26 years old and believe it or not, absolutely miserable. And there it is. He's making money. He's very influential and miserable, which means not successful not successful, living deeply misaligned, but I was receiving so much social validation for being, you know, a positive role model and the difference that I was making to people's lives um, that, you know, that validation piece that I continued to get, Mm -hmm. which again is a shadow from childhood, um, was keeping me stuck inside of um, overworking. And eventually I just got to the place where I was feeling... uh, I was, I was burnt out, I was resentful, I was starting yeah. to experience high levels of stress and anxiety, depression, and uh, I remember so clearly, it was the 19th of July, 2016, 
head in my hands, bawling my eyes out, having a mammoth breakdown. And after about two hours of letting it go and feeling real sorry for myself and my circumstance, I had a simple but profound epiphany. I realized that I created this mess. Like I you created, created that mess. I'm all I'm, of my I'm suffering. Right? Glad to hear you say that out loud, yeah, right? Yeah, Not yeah. somebody else's fault. I did this to me. I did this to me. And so then I was like, well, okay, if well, I created this, then I can create my way out of it. So in that moment, I just asked myself the question. I was like, okay, cool. Blank canvas. If I could actually create life exactly as I would love for it to be, what would and do what I really want to do? What would I actually create? And then it hit me in an instant. I was like, I'd be running marathons, climbing mountains, traveling the world, transforming my life and working out some way to help other people do the same. And so it was literally that night. I spent three hours downloading the vision. The next day I got up, I phoned my, um, my business partners, my parents, my closest friends. And I said, hey, guys, listen, um, this is where I'm at. In two years, I'm heading off on a one-way flight somewhere overseas and I'm on a mission. Did you actually use a timeline? I'm going to do this in two years? In two years, yeah. I had this yeah. like intuitive hit that it was like, it's going to take me about two years to exit out of what I'm currently doing. Yeah. Sell, sell businesses, hand over leadership, et cetera. Uh -huh. um, and then actually get to a place where I can be physically able to run a marathon because I never ran a marathon before. Um, no, uh, for real? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'd never ran a marathon. I was just like, <laughs> listen, I was just in a place where I was like, there was the hypothesis of, in order to fulfill on running a marathon and climbing a mountain on every continent and build a business that can help fund yeah. inevitable international adventure around the world, a transformation is going to be necessary. It's like I'm going to have to figure out how to run I'm a marathon. I'm going to have to figure out how to run a marathon. I'm going to have to figure out how to build this business. Like I'm like, who I am on the other side of this yeah. is someone who I am inspired to be because I'm not. I love just, this story. Well, I'm not just yet, and so. I, um, so I just, I, so then I declared it, I declared it to my closest 10 people and said, guys, in two years I'm off. And so, um, thereafter the becoming of mountains and marathons was a series of profound synchronicities. And one of those was meeting Jen, my business partner, six months later. So we actually started out in the context of a romantic relationship and mm -hmm. then, um, she supported me and, and, and nursed me through healing from burnout. And then yeah. once I came back to a place of personal power, the two of us put our, collective experience. Jenny had um, a background in international business of coaching and also helping entrepreneurs like me. So people up to stuff, but burning out. And so the two of us then put our years of experience together to create the foundations of mountains and marathons and create the very first edition of the Align Leadership Program, which was centered around running a marathon in Patagonia back in September of, oh, 2000, nice. September of 2018. Yeah. And, yeah. And so I remember it so clearly. It was November of 2017. I got home after a busy day of work and Jen had put up um, butcher's papers all around the mm -hmm. living room. And on each one it said it had like mountains and then it had marathons and then it had leadership program. And, 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 and she invited me into just this entire evening of ideation around, okay, we've been talking about yeah. this long enough. What are we actually going to do? And so we started to list down like all the mountains we wanted to climb, all the marathons we wanted to run, the countries we wanted to visit, and then some of the key pillars and themes that we would integrate into the very first edition of the Align Leadership Program. Now, the beauty off the back of that was like, I mean, so much of what we wrote down there yeah. never happened, right. but, but it had an energy behind it that allowed for us to actually start to bring material form to this thing that we'd been conspiring for about eight months. And so... Um, yeah, then it was in uh, April of 2018, we started our very first online leadership program. We had three members uh, say yes. It's a six-month journey, a uh, holistic journey of leadership growth and transformation that integrates individual coaching, group coaching, fitness coaching, and nutrition coaching, yeah. and then graduates with a um, running a marathon or climbing a mountain in some epic location around the world. And so... Wow. In essence, um, we're now up to our 15th edition of the Align Leadership Program, um, where we've run uh, marathons in Patagonia and Cape Town, South Africa, Honolulu, San Francisco. Um, uh, they're the primary, I think there's a couple of other marathons in there as well. But then we've also ran um, Climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I've done five editions of, the, of Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. We've done yeah. Everest Base Camp twice. Um, we ran a level two called Masterpiece in Iceland. So it's, um, it truly has become a, 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 a full-on aligned embodied lifestyle where we live, breathe, walk and talk what it means to live in alignment. And then we coach that through our six-month transformational leadership program Align. And then it funds our um, our adventures as well as obviously yeah, sure. um, brings our, our members to come and have transformational experiences where they put themselves to the test by running marathons and climbing mountains in epic parts of the world. 
You said right before we started uh, recording today that you're on this little nine-day break, but you pretty much live on the road. And if you have that kind of industry, if you have that kind of business, you're going to spend a lot of time traveling, mm. which I know it takes a toll on you. But I'm really, really inspired by not just the concept of mountains and marathons, but the fact that you could pull this off in a super competitive industry. Mm. Almost everybody that I know who considers themselves a pretty talented leader says, I think I'm going to just start a leadership consulting business. And then every one of them struggle because I don't think people realize just how saturated that market is. Yep. But man, you've been very successful in this industry. How did you pull off that kind of success in a oversaturated leadership consultant industry? Well, first of all, thank you for the acknowledgement. Um, and yeah, it is it is a saturated industry. Like everyone is calling themselves a coach these days. And yeah, so, sure. Um, and it's honestly, it's one of the lowest barrier industries in the world because anyone can literally call yeah, themselves. Yeah, basically a coach. anybody who thinks they're they're they know something can start or can get into it. That's right. That's right. So, um, look, I think I think there's there's a few things that distinguish us that I certainly attribute to to a foundation of um, the part of the foundation of our success. Um, one part is Jenny and I are very good at what we do. So that that is a that as a baseline, and it is this industry is relationships first, and we're really good at fostering authentic foundations of relationship and demonstrate that we care so much and that we have skill that can serve and support. So I think that as a, as a baseline is really important for anyone who's looking to build a successful coaching mm -hmm. practice. The second piece though that I think really um, has supported a key part of our success is um, we have a really clear and distinct point of difference. So we marry, like we, we have a very specific niche in the sense that we're seeking those people who are inspired by having a life transformation whilst um, and taking their life and leadership to the next level in whatever that looks like, married with that spirit, spirit of adventure that potentially has not been ignited for a long time. And so when you bring these two together, which marries the passion for adventure and international travel and physical challenge, combined with this desire to personally grow, to develop, to mature, to evolve, bringing these two niche um, uh, uh ideas together yeah. and marrying them in one program um, seems to speak to people in a way that many other leadership programs or coaching programs don't. And so I think being good at what we do, married with this distinct point of difference, and then obviously setting up the right um, marketing and sales yeah. journeys sure. um, combined to create, I believe, what has become the foundation of a successful coaching business that we run. And obviously, you get Fortune 500 CEOs, you get ex-military, you get some pretty high-capacity leaders going through your program. But one of the things I really like about what you're doing is it's not built just for them. You got stay-at-home moms. You got the average, everyday person who's looking at their life and saying, I think I want to be able to challenge myself. I think I want to try something and then they hear about mountains and marathons and all of a sudden you give them the opportunity to try something that they may never attempt on their own and you give them a safety net to try it with, which is a really beautiful thing for somebody who's saying, I wish I could break out of the rut, but I don't know how. Maybe what they need to do is reach out to mountains and marathons and see when you're doing your next, uh, you know, your next event. For sure, man. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, we would welcome any of your listeners, listeners to check us out and take a look at the Elan Leadership Program. But that's the heart of it, man, is like, I like we believe in a world where everyone has the opportunity to live in deep alignment, like live yeah. in deep congruence with their truth. And so, uh, you know, yes, we do work with some incredibly successful, like high level entrepreneurs and executives. And yes, we also work with people who are, um, you know, who, who, as you said, like, stay-at-home mums or people who have, yeah. you know, potentially sold a business and now questioning, what am I doing? Like, cool, I've done that bit, but now, now what am I doing with the rest of my life? And so uh, because, like, living aligned, it is not exclusive to those who are, who are just, like, performing at the top of their game right now. It really is a conversation for everyone to be in. And the beauty is, man, is it's like regardless of someone's title um, and their, or, mm -hmm. their sense, or their sense of identity, 
everyone is navigating real life stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. And I think that, and, and that really is the great equalizer when you bring our groups of people together is it's like, there's such a diverse range sure. of, um, of high performing people and different, you know, impressive titles and whatnot. But when we get beneath the titles and actually get in touch with the human being that is, um, that is, you know, showing up on the zoom screen, we discover that there is a whole bunch of beautifully vulnerable layers of life yeah. that inside each person. And, um, you know, that's the spirit of a line is it's not just about how we lead right. other people. It's really about how we leading ourselves more effectively so that we're able to show up and create a life that we're really inspired by. I've been able to run a couple of marathons with friends or family members who have never tried it before, but they wanted to give it a try. And so they said, hey, Jeff, would you run with me? Would you help coach me? I'm not a running coach, but I've done lots of marathons, ultra marathons. And uh, I tell them all, yeah, I'm willing to do this thing with you. You have to put the work in. I'll help you as you put the work in. But you need to know something. When we start this thing together, we are going to finish. And I said to my sister on her first marathon, if I have to drag you by your hair across the finish line, we are going to finish this thing together. And then just see in the joy and the sense of accomplishment when they step across the finish line of a marathon, it's priceless because mm -hmm. I know what that feels like, but they've just never experienced it before. Mm -hmm. That's one of those things people will look back for the rest of their life and said, man, if I can run a marathon, then I can handle what's happening to my family or what's happening in my business. And man, I can, I can already feel how powerful mountains and marathons are in leaders, you know, shaping um, leaders, molding them uh, to the next level. Mm, beautiful. Thanks, man. You, you get it. You get it. And it yeah. truly is like, because the question is, it's not so much about the transformation that happens during the marathon, but it's who you become in the preparation. It's oh, like, yeah, absolutely. You know, when I meet when I meet our clients at the beginning of the race, you know, when we're about to effectively like do the graduation, like do the final mm -hmm. exam, it's like, it's like, I'll say, how you feeling? I'll be like, you know, Jamin, I've already ran my marathon. You know, and that'll be all the work they've done inside the leadership right. coaching yeah. and the preparation. And they're just like, today's the celebration. It's like, awesome. Get out there, work hard, have fun. Love like, it. That's yep. the spirit, you know. It's about being, it. able, being able to show up at the start line knowing that you've earned the right to get out there and give it your best shot. Yeah. Well, here's how I want to wrap this episode up, Jamin. I did an interview more than a year ago with a lady who is an extremely successful, very, very accomplished chef. And her life was miserable because of all of the pressure that goes along with it. She opened, opened started restaurants, has the Michelin stars to back it up. And she just decided, you know what? I'm done with this lifestyle. I'm going to pivot. And what was powerful about that episode, and you just said it in this one as well, is that she made the courageous decision to leave all of that stuff behind and go pursue a dream that if I could do this, I think I could really, really enjoy myself for the rest of my life. So mm -hmm. there are people that are listening right now that are where you were two years before starting Mountains and Marathons when you were really struggling you were stressed out, you were burned out, and you were saying, I don't like who I've become. I'm getting all of the accolades and all of the affirmation, but I don't like what it takes to get here or to stay here. And if I could follow my dream, here's what I would do next. But they're right at this edge and they're asking the question, am I really willing to leave it all and go pursue that dream? So what I'd like for you to do is just kind of wrap this episode up by talking to that person who's on the edge and they're saying, man, I've got a lot to lose if I do this. Am I really willing to go out and to start something like you and Jen when you started Mountains and Marathons? What would you say to that person? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I would want a little more context about their life circumstance because they're there are just certain layers of life that it's just yeah. important. It's like really being in tune with what are the deepest layers of responsibility responsibility that I have? And then ultimately, what is my most aligned life? Because it is easy mm -hmm. to go, I'd love the travel lifestyle and I'd love to, you know, have all of this freedom. But when our deepest commitment is to be the best possible father that we can be, maybe leaving the wife and kids, right. and, you know, starting the business in Cambodia isn't the thing that's going to actually bring the deepest level of fulfillment possible. So contextually, that's just an important thing to acknowledge. Sure. But first of all, what I would say to begin with is write it down. Write down the vision. Write down. Okay. Like write it write, down. I'm writing write, down. Write it down right now. Write down. Like write down the depth of clarity that you have around what the most deeply aligned life and vision is for you. 
then from that place, it really, like, there are two ways you can go. You can go the courageous all-in approach, which I'm certainly not opposed to that. That's that's typically my approach is just like the dive headfirst. Mine too. One I would say, though, is make sure that you've got guidance, have professional guidance and surround yourself with people who um, have made the jump before and know what they're doing. So I'm a big proponent of people getting coaches who have tried, who have tre- tread in the path before mm-hmm. and know how to support people in those major transitions and evolutions because it can be absolutely terrifying, not just when the jump is made, but then also in but the afterwards, of vulnerability yeah. afterwards as well. So yeah. definitely, definitely encourage professional guidance and support and also community is a huge part to support this kind of major transition. The alternative- and when you say community, describe that for just a second for the person that, that isn't sure what you're saying. Yeah, no. So I think, I mean, just a, mountains marathons is probably a good example. It's like the nature of our programs. We bring, you know, between nine and 15 people together for a program and the, and everyone is in a, some kind of similar stage of transition of life. So being able to go through by, by saying yes to a big picture vision and a big life evolution and being able to share that transition and source inspiration and mm-hmm. support from others who are going through something similar, that is like, that taps into something quite spiritually profound inside yeah. like the the human experience is being able to like be immersed in the energy and support of community and other people sure. so that's what i mean by that versus being surrounding yourself with the people that are like hey you know you shouldn't do that be careful yeah that's right like, the negative voices the, the negative voices and it's just like and sure they've got best interests at heart that's fine like their intentions mm-hmm. are pure it just doesn't empower the fulfillment of what it is that you right. really want to create in life so being intentional about creating community of those who are going to be supportive of the fulfillment of the vision um, is really really key. So that's that, that that's like the first trajectory. The other one is to then is to be um, more of a like the part time approach <laughs> of like looking at okay I have a baseline of, um, of 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 responsibility here. I can't just like let it all go and 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 just you know go hell with it and step fully in head first. Um, but there are certainly ways and means in which we can steadily turn the Titanic. You know, right. and, and 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 make it and bring our life into deeper levels of alignment without necessarily having to make massive drastic changes. Yeah, all so, at once. All at once, exactly. Now, having said this, typically for those who are experiencing a level of stuckness or burnout, um, that may be due to um, being overworked, knowing that you're in the wrong career, knowing that you're in the wrong relationship. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we just know these things. Yeah. Turning the Titanic slowly, that doesn't work. Like there does need to be a jump at some point in time. And though it is important to be responsible about the way in which we go, again, how we get the result, the way way in which we show up and navigate these massive transitions in life, it is important to be, um, it does demand courage and it it will be vulnerable, um, but there are more effective and less effective ways of doing that. And so again, I'm a proponent of having coaches who can support and guide and hold the um, emotional fragility and turmoil that can come with all the layers of making these major life changes, which, you know, that's obviously something I'm sure you have experience in and that's something that we do a lot of inside the Align Leadership Program. Well, you're coaching people right now and I know that there's some listeners that are hearing this and they're like, man, I like what I'm hearing from this guy. I'm really, really interested in mountains and marathons. And they're trying to figure out how do they get in touch with you or how do they learn more about mountains and marathons? Um, where do they go? How do they find out more? Beautiful. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. So baseline, uh, all, all the baselines, guys. So uh, mountains and marathons, the website, so that's uh, www.mountainsmarathons.world. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. So that's at mountains and marathons. You can follow me personally on Instagram. So that's at Jamin Heppel. Um, and then you can also, everyone is welcome to join our um, free online Facebook community, which is where Jen and I are constantly giving free guidance on uh, simple distinctions, leadership distinctions to support you to bring your life into deeper alignment. And that happens through our free Facebook community called Living Aligned by Mountains and Marathons. And you can search us on Facebook and um, request to join that group as we'd love to see you there. I'm going to put links to all of these, your your social media, Mountains and Marathons website, the Facebook group, all of that um, in the notes to this episode. But man, I could seriously talk for hours with you because you've got my two passions right here and you get a chance to do those every day, all day long, man. I'm yeah. thinking I could do this guy's life. I could do what this guy does for the rest of my life and be very satisfied, feel yeah, very successful, man. So thank you. 
for taking some time, taking a break while you're traveling through Mexico and coming on this episode of Unbeatable with me. So good, Jeff. I've had an absolute ball. You're an incredible host, man. I really, I can feel the, I can feel the resonance of the passion and, um, yeah. and, and love the way in which you're contributing to people's lives through this podcast. So thank you for allowing me to be here um, and having you share in, um, in a way that's felt really energy giving to my, uh, to my day. All right, man. Well, enjoy the rest of your break before you get back out there and do more mountains and or climb more mountains and do more marathons. Good man. Thanks so much. As Jamin was talking, I was thinking about this episode that I did more than a year ago with Diana Gramillion, who was an extremely successful chef. And all of the pressure and all of the stress that goes along with running restaurants and earning Michelin stars. She threw it all away and decided to pursue a life that she really wants. If you want to get a chance, go back and check out my episode of Unbeatable with Diana Gramillion. But I wrote down this advice that Jamin gave us today. Let's say that there is a dream and you really, really want to chase that dream, but you're stuck in this dead-end job or you're stuck under the stress of a world that you don't want to be in anymore. Well, here's his recipe. First, write it down. Secondly, build a community around you of people that are in that arena. Third, make sure that you've got a coach that can help you figure out how to go from where you are to where you want to be. But I love how he says it. Ultimately, at some point, you just got to go for it. And I hope as you were listening, if there's a dream on your list, if you got something on your bucket list that you've always wanted to do, well, write it down, build a community, find a coach, and then go for it. I hope you are excited, as informed and excited about this episode as I was. And I just want to thank you. You know, we created a free resource for people that are stuck. We give it away to anybody who wants it. All you got to do to get what I call my Unbeatable Army Survival Guide, this free PDF download, is just go to the unbeatablearmy.com. And for all of the amazing listeners out there, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in week in and week out into this episode. But the listener of the week, the fan of the week for this week is Bobby Mason. And Bobby, I just want to say you're awesome. You're so awesome that we want everybody to know you're awesome by calling you our fan of the week. So thanks for being tuned in. If you stumbled across us and you want to know more, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to this on your favorite social media platform? Just search at Unbeatable Podcast. And if you haven't already fallen in love with it, why don't you go ahead and start subscribing on your favorite podcast platform or subscribe to our YouTube channel and we'll bring you more amazing guests like this every week. Thanks for joining us. I hope you have a great week. Go out and live your dreams this week. See you next time.